0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. And for a change, this episode is actually a basketball podcast. Of course, we do have a basketball podcast that's been going on all spring or really for a year now uh, with Sam Webb and Tim McCormick. They get lots of great guests, lots of good insight from McCormick, who is one of the leading basketball analysts anywhere and a former Michigan star. But Obviously, myself and Steve, we've been doing uh, our show for three years. We try to keep it football-focused, but we also talk about what fans are talking about. So this episode, um, we do have a football episode coming out very soon after this. We actually recorded them both in one sitting and realized we should probably split them in half. Uh, just because we were talking for so long, had a lot to say. It'll be a football 2020 hindsight theme. You'll, you'll see it wherever you get, you get your podcast. Appreciate all of our listeners who have subscribed, thrown us a rating, uh, shared this with your friends, helped us grow um, to be such such a large podcast and, and voice on Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. But anyway, this episode: five things I've learned from Michigan basketball's three and zero start, and then kind of bouncing those ideas off of Steve and and kind of taking a taking a pulse of where this team is at. Because as crazy as it sounds. They're done with the mid-major games. They have UCF on Sunday. Uh, they're in the American and then North Carolina State and then Big Ten play. So we'll jump into those five things we've learned so far. Wolverines are 3-0. Maybe not the most impressive 3-0. Uh, it depends on how you look at it. We'll, we'll talk about through all the things. Uh, they, they beat Bowling Green, who seems like a pretty good team, uh, by 14, 96-82. to they beat Oakland by ten, but it took them overtime to get there, eighty-one to seventy-one. Uh, and then they beat Ball State last night. Ball State, generally an above-average MAC team, every year is a little different in that in that conference. But they beat them eighty-four to sixty-five in a game that wasn't that close. I mean, they were up by twenty in the first half, by twenty-one pretty early in the second half. Uh, so, Steve, I have my five things I've learned. And I, I I wonder if you and I are on the same page with this. I think the number one thing we've learned so far, uh, Hunter Dickinson is the real deal. I mean, he, you know, I I was pretty optim optimistic. I was pretty confident he would make be an early impact kind of player. He is seven foot one, seven foot two. He's two hundred and sixty pounds. Uh, top top fifty recruit. And, and for the fans who maybe weren't a part of this discussion or, or maybe don't remember when he finished number 43, uh, there was a lot of consternation because our recruiting analysts who kind of design the recruiting ranking somewhat toward where they think pro scouts analyze these players more or less said Dickinson, if it was just based on impact in college would probably be a five star. So anyway, he was a he was a high profile recruit. Uh, for those that missed it last week, I went in depth. I actually talked to Luca Garza's dad about you know the two trained together um, and how much he's been preparing kind of for that Big Ten gauntlet of big men. But Steve, so far he has passed past my expectations at least this early on. Even though I had pretty high expectations, um, he's he's having quite the season. Had his first double double. Last night had uh, 19 points and four rebounds the night before. Uh, and then and then in, in his first game, 11 points and eight rebounds. This is all off the bench, too. Uh, he's, he has not played that many minutes. It looks like he's got 65 minutes on the season. I'd argue that's not enough. But, but Steve, uh, what have you, what's impressed you the most
1: about Hunter Dickinson so far? I mean, it's pick your pick your poison, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been this excited to watch a young Michigan player develop like in a long time. I, he's just he's a throwback to me. Um, you know, the two things he does at what I at least what appear to be at an elite level early on that I think are, are going to is going to carry him through the Big Ten season and and however long he plays, his passing ability. And also his touch around the rim as far as like the putbacks, um, just that type of stuff. I mean, there was the play he made on a Wagner, I think, tried like a reverse or an underneath or something. Uh, Just he made a really difficult putback look really, really easy, you know, and it was his passing ability out of the zone that, that kind of won them the game against Oakland. Got four assists in that game. Yeah, and the game, and it wasn't even. It was the, a lot of it was his first pass to set up the second pass too. You know, out of that post area, the hockey
0: assists. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it was like, and that's what was really impressive to me. No, I mean, and that's the other thing. These last two games, especially, have been very favorable matchups for him on the at least on the offensive end. I but that doesn't diminish to me the excitement that you should have about him because he's making it look really easy. You know, it's not as if he's laboring uh, to to score order. Yeah, it's, not, it's not even
0: up and down either. It's not like, you know, one minute he looks good, one minute he doesn't. He he has just looked, well, he looks like he's already one of the top three or four big men I, in the Big Ten. And that might be premature, but but that's how easy he has made it look
1: and how consistent he has been. Yeah, it's just, you know, I've said this before with basketball, and I think maybe people get tired of hearing it like he's one of those guys you don't have to know a lot about basketball to just watch him for five, 10 minutes and understand that this guy knows. He just knows what he's doing out there. He's a, he has a super, super high level of awareness, especially on the offensive end. He's got an array of post moves. uh, Just, he just looks natural, you know? And so he, you know, his development throughout the season really could raise the ceiling for what Michigan's capable of doing just because guys like him don't, you know, you can't just find one of these types of guys, you know, there <laughs> sure. aren't a ton, you know, there aren't a ton of them out there. And especially again, I can't stress enough, just has that innate ability to find, not find, not just find a guy passing the ball, but find the right guy, you know? And so, uh, yeah, he's been, he's been awesome to watch. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and he's definitely a guy, you know, I assume most Michigan fans are already super, super excited about what he brings to the table, but, but I'm excited to see, you know, how far this can go with him.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I don't think, I mean, it's its obviously a little bit premature. They haven't played a high major team yet, but it, I don't think it's premature to start thinking, you know, as, as you and I both kind of are like, hey, this, you know, I think we both would have projected he would start. i I certainly was in the boat where I thought he would average double digits on the season for scoring. But he could end up being Michigan's number two or number three option, and and it did happen last season in the Big Ten, right? With Kofi Coburn, Illinois looked like a tournament team. You know, they had um, you know, a couple couple wing guard types that that they knew were going to be you know key players for them, and then here comes Kofi Coburn, who I think I believe he won Big Ten Freshman of the Year, um, and he's just efficient. He draws fouls. Hunter Dickinson quietly. Uh, I think he's drawn eight fouls per 40 minutes of play. So that would suggest that he's drawn 12 or 13 fouls already. Uh, that's huge. You know, it, again, we'll see how um, teams teams with more legitimate big men do. But, but yeah, no, I think he's been everything as advertised. And then probably a little bit more. I... I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a, he's a, you know, speed demon. I've been pretty impressed with his speed. I think you and I have both talked about this where he's kind of got that, um, Mitch McGarry, like quick little pedals. You know, it's not like a, it's not how he would run (laughs) if you were running a sprint, but it's like just like very quick feet to kind of help him get up and down the court without laboring too much. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think he's a little bit quicker. He's made two thirds of his free throws so far. I think you'll take that from a seven footer every day of the week. Um, you know, I know he was two for five last night, but he was out there. He apparently that's the thing Michigan's doing this year is when you have a bad game, you go, uh, you know, get some shots up in front of the reporters after the game to, you know, save face with the fans but uh I mean I'm joking they're obviously working really hard but it's it's funny that you know they do have practice facilities they could work at too um regardless yeah I think I think he's I think he brought more than than I was expecting and and I think it's some of that's opponent neutral you know I, I, I think the efficiency by the rim might be something where hey if he's facing a a Coburn or a Michigan state seems like they've got like four elite shot blockers in the post right now. Um, You know, if he's facing Luca Garza, I mean, you know, not every one of those moves is going to work when he's going up against like three ball state defenders. You're like, okay, well they're all like five inches shorter than him. So, so I think that part might be the part that I, I guess I I'd like to continue to see, you know, does he avoid turnovers? Does he, does he have the craftiness to to find ways to score even if the defender you know has good positioning but i think the i think the passing is elite for his position i think um i think his ability to to embrace contact that's that's often the difference between a, a big man making an impact as a freshman or not is you know what's their contact courage like i think he's got those things so, certainly, um, certainly been a plus for Michigan so far. Steve, is there any reason other than it's worked to not start him on Sunday against Central Florida?
1: I mean, Davis's proclivity for fouls, I think, is probably the primary reason I would start Dickinson. It feels like Dickinson can be effective whether he's starting the game or not. The problem is you know, you start playing better competition. You, you don't want, you know, to start off the game with a couple cheap fouls or whatever. You know, Davis, it's always kind of been his big issue on the defensive end, you know, a, um, you know, he's a very high rate fouler, uh, I guess. And uh, so that'd be the one reason, I suppose, I would rather start the game with Dickinson, you know, and I feel like Davis, I think we talked about this in the Slack last night, Davis has always felt more effective coming off the bench too, right? Because I think that's what he's, much more used to. Mm-hmm. So I it's it's gotta be a matter of time, right? I, I just I can't fathom this is gonna be the setup for the entire season. Right? I mean it just unless unless they unless it is a you know maybe that's how Dickinson feels more comfortable. I don't know. But there's no doubt, you know they're, they're much more efficient on the offensive end, and I don't feel like they're losing anything. They may be better on the defensive end, too. You know, I think he's been a pleasant surprise defensively as well. Uh, he There was a stretch in last night's game, I want to say. It was almost two full minutes on the clock where he impacted every single thing that happened on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Forced a bad shot, grabbed the defensive rebound, like made the pass and then got it back and scored again. I don't know. It was like just every, there was like every single thing that happened. There were like five or six sequences in a row where he was the primary uh, factor for whatever happened on Michigan's end. so uh, I just, you got to think it's a matter of time uh, unless, you know, unless this is how Howard wants to, to run the rotation at, up front. Well, there's always,
0: I, yeah, I, I would assume Dickinson starts, um, I, I think, you know, Hunter mentioned, I asked him last week how he feels about coming off the bench, if that's something that, like, you know, he's trying to change or if he doesn't really care. And and he mentioned he would like to start and that he had a couple, well, he called them setbacks. So whether that's injury or something else um, during fall camp that kind of ensured Davis was going to start the season as the starter. But the other thing, and, and John Beeline used to always complain about this and I, I say I complain he he would point it out. I don't think he was like whining about it but but refs, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like umpiring for for the baseball fans out there, in, especially in college. The NBA is a little bit more standard, but different refs have different approaches and obviously they have different nights. Kind of like an umpire would have a different strike zone. And I almost part of me almost wonders if Davis is partly out there because he's gone out there. And then he gets taken out of the game. And, and I think he might've been put back in last night, but, but the first two games he was taken out after, you know, five, six, seven minutes, both halves, and then not put back in the rest of the game. And that almost made me wonder if Davis was out there to kind of get a feel or help Michigan get a feel. Cause he's not unproductive I and mean, he scored six no. points early on, but kind of give Michigan a feel for how the game's being called from an officiating standpoint. Huh. Uh, and and also set the tone, set the tone and, and see like, okay, what do these big men bring to the table? So, um, because what, what always, what kills teams and this happened to Illinois last night, I don't know if you watched the Illinois Baylor game is if the officials have kind of a tight whistle and Coburn gets a foul saying two minutes in. Well, then suddenly it's like, do you bench him for 10 minutes? Do you right. keep him in and risk that he gets a second foul? Um, you know, the, and, and suddenly, I mean, I think Coburn had two points in the first half. If he's in there the whole half, Illinois might have a, a legitimate lead in that game. As good as Bishanisvili looked, I, I'm sure they would have preferred to have Coburn in there. Um, maybe both of them in there, but certainly have Coburn in there to kind of be the aggressor. And so this this gives Dickinson, you know, the game's kind of underway when he enters. That's that's just one thought I had um, from, I know Beeline used to always worry about that with Mo Wagner. As, you know, Wagner had a tendency to foul uh, maybe more than, he got called for a lot of fouls. There's always that hypothesis that he got called more than other players did. <laughs> uh, and, but, you know, and then I think it was a, a concern with Tesky last year too. and And I guess the year before, is, you know, you, the two foul thing, you can kind of work around it at guard, you know, at the wing, maybe even at forward, like an Isaiah Livers type. But at center, it is so easy for players to just attack the rim when they know, say, Dickinson has a foul. What do you think every single play is going to be for the next team? Is drive it Dickinson and hope you get a 50-50 call that goes your way because suddenly he's out of the game. So that would be one case to maybe start Davis, figure out how the game's being called. Um, you know, let, let things settle down. I, 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 it's happened. I think in all three games, it's just a really clunky start to the, to, to the game. It almost always is because teams are trying to figure each other out. And um, there's a lot of turnovers, a lot of fouls in the first few minutes of games at the college level. So maybe one pitch, that's, I, I certainly still think he should dickinson should start and if he's not starting he should be playing more than 22 minutes a night right. I, you know i think think we're all in agreement there next next takeaway how do you feel about mike smith and shondi brown so
1: far so i love so the one actually the one thing i, I you may have tweeted this i i love brown's energy and yeah. The, the the he seems to be and they do have a couple they have vets on the team. I'm not saying they're, you know, but he does bring a, another like mature veteran presence to the roster. Um mm-hmm. I like it. I think both of these both of them have some work to do defensively. Yeah. Particularly Smith. Smith, I you know the thing about Smith, he had I love Uh, the diversity in his offensive game Uh, he has an array of ways that he can score you know and it gives him something a little bit different at point guard than what they had with Simpson but I've also liked the way that he runs the offense so far too I mean I think there was a noticeable drop-off yesterday when he got taken out you know as far as just the the flow of the Mm -hmm. offensive unit as a whole you know and so he's one of he's one guy that if, if he can make some strides on the defensive end, which, you know, I don't know. Uh, he's not a young player. Right. But if he, if, if this staff can maybe get him to make some advancements on the defensive end, I mean, he's, he's going to be really, really good. I mean, he, he can hit it from deep. Like he drove the basket a few times yesterday, but the other one, he had that nice little pull-up jumper, that mid range pull-up, you know, was really nice and it was effective yesterday. So he has a few different ways he can score almost really has a, more diverse skill set offensively than Simpson did, so um, you know the difference. Obviously, Simpson, you know, was a lockdown defender and was a wizard in running the offense. So, you know, give and take there. But I, I think I think fans should be pleased with what they've seen out of both guys so far, for the most part.
0: Yeah, well, it's certainly. I mean, there's always a concern with transfers is that they're not going to work out. I don't think that's the case for either of these players. You know, when player a lot it it they've. There's been some studies on, you know, players who were big time scorers on not very good teams. Brown wasn't quite that, but but Smith was. And then they go to the next level, it's just it's hard to translate. I don't think he's going to be a 12 point a game night guy actually, but I I do think he can be kind of in that 7 to 11 range and that's exactly what Michigan needs. They have Franz Wagner, they have Isaiah Livers, they have uh, apparently Hunter Dickinson. You know they have Eli Brooks technically averaged 11 points a game last season. You know, so they should have scoring elsewhere. They they need him to move the offense, move the ball, and I think he's really good at that. I I really like his quickness. Um, passes my eye test. I don't have a 40 time on him, but seems to be really quick. His assist rate actually has been pretty good so far, 29.1%. I think it's equated. I mean, eight of them came against Bowling Green. Uh, but he has 15 assists through five games. Yeah, they'll, they'll take that any day of the week. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. The, the defense, especially without fouling, because I think the Oakland game, if he's able to avoid a foul on a couple more possessions, he's not held to 18 minutes. And maybe Michigan gets out of the jam that it was in sooner. And perhaps not, but but seemed like, I mean, he only scored two points in 18 minutes. And so to me, that says probably the fouls were the most concerning stat for him there. Yep. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm a little wary of his scoring against high major opponents. I mean he is I, I say this understanding that Xavier Simpson did just fine, but he is a little bit undersized. Uh, just curious how like a six a six three point guard, you know, how, how many of the points that he scored so far um, still happen if they're against a six, three, you know, big 10, maybe even like all big 10 type of point guard who's guarding him. But I think, so what
1: do you still feel like? He's a guy that is, is kind of how Simpson was like, he's still going to have to do well enough from the outside for, for better defenders to honor his ability inside the three point line
0: possibly i mean he has only yeah. one for six from three right, so far right right i i think he has a better well i don't know i don't know if he has a better mid-range game but it it feels like he has a better mid-range game and he's good at getting to the free throw line um he was good at that before um still good at that now so yeah i think but i think the big thing and, and then shondi brown um great sixth man i mean that's exact i mean he, he's gonna be one of the better six mans in the big 10, I think um, just having, having watched, I don't think I've watched every single team yet, but having watched a little bit, I think I mean, to have a veteran who, who can hit threes. You know, I, I understand that he was what, one for 10 from three against Oakland. Um, but he, he has the ability to hit threes, has the ability to score points. And and I think you're absolutely right. I think the energy, I mean, it's almost It almost kind of reminds me of like a a Charles Matthews. Now Matthews had a lot of additions in addition to his energy, but it just seemed like he brought in kind of this fresh perspective. Um, Even, even good cultures like what Michigan has had the last decade or so, you know, sometimes it's good to just inject, you know, a guy who's really athletic, really, really high energy, um, tenacious, you know, that can, that can be a, a really nice surplus for a team. And, and, you know, he was in charge of, well, I don't know if he was, a, a, I don't know if he was given the role of being in charge, but from the eye, from what I saw, he was in charge of the bench kind of getting going. And, and you're absolutely right about his defense, but I'll, I, I think, I got to think Jawan Howard will take that defensive energy, even if there's a few mistakes here and there. Um, you know, he was, he was in position all the time. He was, you know, not afraid to, to get right up in someone's face. Got to think over the course of a season, you know, he he and Smith will get better, partly because the other players at their position on the team, you know, Eli Brooks, uh, Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner are really good defenders, you know, known for their defense. So, um, yeah, I will they be double digit scorers? I'm a little hesitant to say that. But I think they'll be, you know, top seven rotation guys. And I, I think that's, that's a huge win for Michigan. I mean, to have a freshman who's a standout star team center and then to have two transfers who are, you know, key rotation guys that they, they need night in, night out. That means Michigan's better in better shape than they were, than maybe an outsider was expecting them to be before the season began. Yeah, the, I agree. No, I agree. Sure. The next thing, I don't know how you feel about this one. I, I know a few people are like, kind of are looking past the Oakland game, like, oh, they they just didn't have it, and they they still found a way to win. You know, very positive narratives despite that game. Little unsure about, you know, Jawan has said a few times. He wants to go 10 deep. I mean, he said all hands on deck, partly in case there is a COVID absence or an injury. um, You know, just going to be kind of a weird year across the board. But then, you know, one thing I I saw, especially against Oakland, but also during some low, low stretches against Bowling Green and Ball State, I think this bench is a little streaky. And I'm throwing Brown in there. I'm not including Dickinson. I'm actually... Including Austin Davis in this. Um, but, you know, Austin Davis, Shondy Brown, um, oh, Brandon Johns, Junior, Zeb Jackson, Terrence Williams. I think all five have had some legitimate bright spots so far this season. I think the consistency is something that. Well, I mean, I think the coaches are going to be tested on that because that's something that you, you know, John Beeline's teams would work on that throughout the season, get a lot better, kind of have it together by by March. How do you feel about the, those five that I mentioned? And, and you know, one of the takeaways I'm writing is I feel like the bench could be a little streaky this season. You know, I think there's going to be games where, um, you know, Michigan fans are really waiting for the starter to get out of, you know, foul trouble and get back in. Uh, but then there will be moments where like like Brown, you know, scored what 19 points against Bowling Green, so I think there'll be ups for sure. I'm not totally convinced that there won't be downs as well.
1: So, do you think is, I guess, it really when it when you talk about a, a situation like that, it really comes down to can you rely on your core to do what they're supposed to do every night? Because I think you know, when you have a if he wants to play 10, if you can get a good or a great night from one or two of those guys, and, and the, your five best players do, you know, at least around what you expect them to do, that usually is going to be a good thing, right? It's just, to me, I think, mm-hmm. the so the, the X factor, and I th- I'm assuming like everybody has has him as the Michigan X factor and probably even had him there last year is, is Johns. You know, yeah. I think that, that situation is one, where a I mean, and, and it's clear they're going to. But Michigan, they have to stick with him and have to keep giving him minutes because I think, I think that the net will be a plus for them in the end. I, I just I know he's had a couple rough games here recently, but are you a little surprised at the soul start? Not 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 at that. It seems like Michigan is that's they him
0: and Terrence Williams equally. Yeah,
1: yes, and I think and as as nice of a spark as Williams gave them against, against Oakland him. and as well, and as good as I think he's going to be eventually, I think Michigan, if there's one thing I would, you know, criticize Howard's rotation, like the timing, the rotation is, I don't think, you know, cause I know John's came in. I either had a couple quick fouls or a couple quick turnovers. I know at least one of the fouls was a horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah the spin off. move charge. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so like, I, I, you know, I was a little disappointed that they yanked him so quickly. I think he should have stayed on the floor a little bit longer. I think he should be playing more, you know? I mean, especially a game like yesterday, they were they were pretty much in control. And I think we had mentioned before.
0: John's has 37 minutes to Terrence Williams,
1: 31. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, I think John should be playing a little bit more. Because I, I think, you know, they had mentioned the small ball five mm-hmm. for him that's a potential again that's another angle another uh lineup i think that for michigan that could do a lot of damage if they you know let him continue to see the floor and and i like again you talk about a guy who brings energy too uh he's definitely a guy that brings energy uh um, on both ends of the floor you know and and so definitely a guy if there's one guy i think michigan should be handling a little bit differently i think i think he would be the guy I, I think that's
0: that's correct. I I think, I guess I'm not surprised in retrospect because Wagner and Livers are going to play. They're versatile and they're also going to play heavy minute loads. I guess I'm not surprised he would be third or fourth off the bench. But I I I'm I think he's got more than what Michigan has let him show so far. And and a couple of his his takes to the basket have been. Um, really impressive. I mean, to the point where I'm like, if livers weren't here, this offense could be heavily driven through Johns. Um, Very athletic. I I still think there's some consistency. I mean, last night's game was, was, um, you know, I I'm sure that was a frustrating game for him. I think in nine minutes, he had three turnovers, two fouls, five rebounds, but also zero points. Um, Still. I mean, his his athleticism, and and I really, frankly, I think him at the small ball five should be, depends on the matchup, of course, but it, against maybe an a, a average team in terms of big men size and height and everything, I think that should be a 10-minute-a-night experiment. I mean, I think that can be something that, you know, maybe you play Dickinson 25, 26 minutes a game, maybe Davis gets... Five or six minutes a game and then the rest can go to John's. Maybe, maybe that isn't working in practice. I, I don't know. But yeah, I like him at the five. I like him at the four. I mean, he's six eight, two forty. He does not move like a like a big dude. I mean, he moves like a like a three guard. So yeah, I guess we'll see. Um as far as the rest of the bench, yeah, I think I think Terrence Williams. I think he's going to become a fan favorite at Michigan, but I think for now there's going to be ups and downs with that. And and I think Shondy Brown will be a fan favorite at Michigan this season. Um I understand not everything that I think is really good about him, you know, the off-court energy, the um you know, in warm-ups he's like really high energy as well. That might not be seen because fans aren't at games this season, but you know, he's he's going to be high energy, but I think there's going to be ups and downs. So I think if that, if there was one area where I think Michigan is still trying to turn the knob from tournament team to top 20 team, right? Cause there is a difference between those kind of two types of teams. I think to me, we'll talk about the defense in a moment, but I think the bench is the, is probably the big one because you're right. If they have, if three of their five starters are on and they can get two of their bench players to be on, then they're probably going to win most of their games even against a tough schedule um, it's just about making sure there aren't games where you know you always talk about the the long scoring droughts you know the the five minutes where they don't score a point um, they've had a couple of those this season yep. so something to keep an eye on anyway I just teased we're talking about the defense. I am actually not that worried about Michigan's defense I don't I'll explain in a moment but I, I'm just curious. The points are are not so great. Um, I think they're giving up. Uh, well, I don't have a point per game, but 82 against Bowling Green, 67 in regulation against Oakland, um, you know, 65 against Ball State. I know that. I know that's you know we just talked about Mike Smith, Shondi Brown, but I I I think their their defense actually could be a major strength for them. What it, what are your impressions watching it? Uh, maybe getting getting some of the replays that I'm not privy to.
1: So I love what Franz Wagner is doing. Mm-hmm. Defensively. I love, you know, I think livers has always been a plus there in most instances. It was the thing when I watch Michigan. And again, this might be, um, you know, I watch a decent amount of college basketball. I probably watch more other college basketball games than I do. Like other college football games. It just, feels like the teams that Michigan plays hit like such a high amount of like difficult shots. Yeah. Those contested threes. Like, right? yeah, like it's just, it, you know, and you wait for the percentages to kind of even out and, and I mean, I think they, I actually think they eventually do, but you know, it's like, I know Oakland um, and ball state yesterday to an extent hit, but especially Oakland hit some, some wacky, you know, stuff. Michigan is very long at most of the, most of the spots, you know, Eli Brooks is a stopper. Like I said, Wagner's a guy, I feel like he's a guy you could put in a few different positions defensively. We talked about Dickinson already looking like a plus on the defensive end. And I think Johns is another one of those versatile, again, provided we start to see him a little bit more. No, I'm more, I'm more so with you. I I think this is a, you know, there's, there's a lot of new pieces with this unit too, you know, and it's not something you're going to see as a finished product, you know, right away. So I look more at like the physical traits of these guys and the athleticism and especially Wagner though, is like really looks improved. Uh, and, but he is, he's long, lanky, athletic, obviously. Uh, but, but from top to bottom, I see more pluses than minuses with them defensively this year. It should be a matter of gelling communication. That's all the type of stuff. I think you'll see them, have to kind of work through when you have, you know, a guy like Smith or a guy like Brown, especially, who come from a totally different system, learning a new system, playing with different guys, learning right. how to talk to each other, that type of stuff.
0: All right, we're going to pause, take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hey, thanks for waiting. Let's get back to our discussion. Yeah, I the, re- the main reason I think the defense will end up looking better is I think if – I guess I'm going back to the, to the beeline complaining about officials. Well again, but he, he has a theory that like the first three or four weeks of the season, the refs, they have spent all off season thinking about all the different foul calls there. There are some rule. I don't know if there's explicitly rule changes this year, but they're every year they, they change some rules and they say, we need to call this more. We need to call that less. Usually it's more of the former. That's that's kind of verbalized. And so the first few, Weeks of the season, lot of ticky tack foul calls, um, and that's really been the weak point of Michigan's defense. They actually, um, you know, they rank pretty highly across the board. They are twenty first in two point field goal percentage allowed. They are eightieth uh, in block rate. They are rebounding um, pretty good, I think, at a top forty level on the defensive side of the ball. But they the free throw rate has been surprisingly high. Um, it's 32.3%. So that's there. They're, they're ba- basically, um, for every three shots, another team is attempting. They're also attempting a free throw. So I, I feel like that will go down. I feel like Michigan, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times that in the post game stories, defending without fouling has been a, um, something to monitor, I feel like they'll be able to do so better. But yes, I, I think I also think the positioning, I mean, that's to me, a lot of the defensive lapses from Brown and Smith. Sorry, we're not trying to pick on them, but those are, you know, we've mentioned them. A lot of it came down to their feet weren't set. They weren't, they were kind of trying to play catch up while also get in front of their guy. And I think that's something that you can coach. And that's something that they can kind of just, you know, learn the, or change, change the habits a little bit, you know, are they picking their head up while they're running and maybe looking to, to snag the ball instead of get in good position. So yeah, I think it's something, it's something to monitor, I would say, but I don't think it's necessarily, I'd like to see how the officiating changes a little bit feels like they're calling pretty tight games. I was very surprised Oakland got what 10 free throws in the first half or not Oakland ball state Um, ball state wasn't even playing. I didn't feel like they were playing particularly aggressive and they finished the game with um, that's Michigan stats. Yeah. They finished the game with 16 free throw attempts, uh, including 10 in the first half. So something to monitor because Michigan usually isn't a team that fouls a lot, but, Still, I also think the fouls will go down a little bit. Um, last one for you, Steve. We've seen some teams in the Big Ten have some pretty impressive performances. You know, we I think we all assume Michigan State, Wisconsin, are going to be kind of in that in that top group. And then I think most people, uh, I'm starting to come around. I was a little skeptical at first. I think Illinois and Iowa will be in that mix as well how close is Michigan to that, maybe that top tier? Cause I think before the season, they were kind of in the Rutgers, Ohio state, um, you know, that kind of tier from what you've seen so far, how far are they from that top group
1: and what is separating them from that? I think they're capable. Not saying I didn't think they were capable going in, but they look, Maybe more capable than I thought they would. Oh, well, and
0: it see it says more to like see it and like kind right? of realize it in front of you.
1: Yeah, and we say that knowing that they struggled against Oakland, but we're seeing top teams like lose, like top ten teams getting beat by some pretty lowly competition early in the season. You know, it's not as if you know anybody else has been immune to like an upstart team giving them some problems. So. Uh, it's it's tough to say, man. Michigan State looked really, really good against Duke the other night once they kind of got their footing going. Um,
0: yeah, they made that look really easy. Yeah. And I, I mean, don't know if Duke's down, but, man, they just looked like – it was like a a beat down at, at times.
1: Well, it is that stability down low. You know, Marble has come along. Marble's a guy I like. And then Hall, I think, had a really great game too. I mean, they have – you mentioned them – being pretty stocked down low that is not even talking about Bingham who Bingham looks like one of those guys that would have been like an all American at Syracuse in that matchup zone defense, you know, like a a Hakeem Warwick, like just the longest dude you can imagine. Um, He's also got some outside stuff, but no, I mean for Michigan, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I think Wagner has to become more consistent Mm-hmm. on a 40-minute basis, I guess. Livers needs a second guy, a second elite guy, because, I I mean, Livers has been awesome so far this season. I mean, he he is in. He's in. He's ready to go. That, that mid-range jumper, I don't think he hit the rim yesterday. And, uh, you know, he's creating a lot of open shots. He's getting to the lane. He's hitting from outside. I mean, offensively, he looks – like one of the better players in the conference for sure. I think I do. I think Wagner's the key because I think he's that one guy that can kind of take that leap, you know, into the start. And we saw him, I mean, he came right out of the gate yesterday and and really is what got them off such a great start forced forced four fouls in like two minutes uh, yeah. on ball state, you know, and also scored the seven points or whatever. I think he had an assist in there early too, but you know, I think, I think the key for him sort of been his Achilles heel. So f- since he's been here is getting the outside shot going. And so, you know, he's a guy that can get into the lane pretty easily, but if he can start to hit more consistently from outside, force the defenders to respect him a bit more, it'll give Michigan a, a really one of the better one-two punches, you know. And then I think you have a really nice mix b- behind them of veteran leadership, talent, young talent, and like if we talk about the energy, you know, I think they have a really unique combo behind, those two guys if, if Wagner can get going
0: yeah I think Wagner's the key um, because they've I don't I don't mean to act like Franz hasn't been good but I think compared to maybe my preseason expectations for him they, they're almost three and know despite him not playing to maybe what I uh, may perhaps it was unfair expected from him I mean I really thought he was going to be second team, all big 10 type of player and, and, and certainly very much still on the table. But I think, I think he would tell you he struggled in those first two games. And I think he would tell you that you know last night's game was not where he wanted to be either. I think there was a lot of good, um, you know, 14 points, pretty strong defense. You mentioned drawing some fouls, but yeah, I think, I think if he hits kind of what he's capable of, I, I think Michigan really could take off because Isaiah Livers, I think, can be a... I think there's going to be very few nights where Isaiah Livers doesn't score in double figures this season. And then we've mentioned Dickinson. We've mentioned the bench will be up and down, but if they have Livers and Dickinson and Wagner on, I don't know how many teams can fully defend that. Um, and that's, that's the thing with, with Franz is he has skills and abilities that no one in the Big Ten can defend. You know, maybe, maybe an Aaron Henry, I, I shouldn't say no one, but very few, um, players can, can do anything about. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest key. I I'm still not quite putting them in that top group. I mean, Ohio state and Rutgers, and I think Michigan are all, all three teams I think are like one player or one like hot streak away from, from being really dangerous, uh, but they just there's just a few too many question marks still. You know, for me, another one is what happens if Dickinson has an off night? You know, he's a freshman. What what happened, you know, if he has two fouls and two points in, in the first half, does Michigan have enough of a post presence to um, to hang around, you know, with it with like a like an Illinois, for example? So that's another thing I, I, I think is still a question. Then I think Eli Brooks, I don't think Michigan needs him to be one of the first three or four scoring options this season, but I, I think if he can kind of play the way he did in some of his good games last season, that'd be another, I guess step, uh, you know, if they're trying to climb the staircase to get up to the top, top few teams, that's another quicker way to get there is because I think he, I mean, he, he averaged 11 points a game last season quietly. I think he did so without a lot of fans even noticing that he did that. And so, yeah, those, those kind of three areas, backup center, you know, Franz and then um, Eli Brooks. And then, you know, maybe, maybe if it's Zeb Jackson, I don't, I don't know what, what I think it's unfair to put pressure on true freshmen, uh, especially at the guard position. That always seems to be one at Michigan where, you know, it's it's really the second or third year that they start to hit their stride. Trey Burke, not but anyway, those were the five things that we have learned from Michigan's three and zero start. Again, how you view it, plenty plenty to work on, uh, but there also are some takeaways that that we feel you know are, are notable. And and certainly, as Steve pointed out, there's something to be said for seeing the team, seeing the transfers that average double digits for their previous teams, seeing. Hunter Dickinson, a top 50 recruit, you know, so even if, even if some parts of it aren't surprising, uh, the fact that it is before our eyes is, is notable and something that we've learned. So, um, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw, be sure to check out all of our stories, including live from the scene, basketball coverage over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Uh, hope, hope you like this podcast, uh, be sure to, to, you know, let us know what you think. Um, you know, how we how we're splitting it up, the different ideas that we have, different ways we're assessing this. Um, Always love to just keep getting better and better. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.